that he is God. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we are not God. We are not in control. We have lost control, but he is in control. He is God and I am not. What a declaration today. And you know, I, I, this week, God has just shown me a couple of different times, just reminded me that he is in control and that even though I feel the chaos, I sense the chaos, I'm living in the same chaos you're living in, that God is in control. Can I get an amen to that? Do you agree with that? Thank you. Yes. Celebrate that. Celebrate that. That he's in control. And you know, it's reminded me that in the midst of COVID that God has still been working. I love Andrew's back up on stage today because we got Taylor quarantining. He doesn't have COVID, but he's quarantining because he was close to somebody who had it. But Andrew's back up on stage, but he is uh, stepped into a new role and he's leading our online church, if you call it that. It's that uh, that digital thing that we're never going to lose. That's one thing COVID introduced to us. But the beautiful thing is, is in that, just last week, got emails, connections with Church in Peru, Samuel and Nellie, who have been watching every week since we've been doing this. Some from Peru, yes. Then skirt across the big pond to West Africa. And we had a a note from a West African brother over there who said, I was watching it as long as my internet worked. And that's what you deal with in Africa. And so again, give a, a round of applause to our brother in West Africa. But we also have somebody who grew up in our church here, and she is on the other side of the world, and she's teaching over in South Korea, Kali Abraham. And yes, and so uh, so welcome them. They're online. They're watching us from South Korea. So it's kind of like as COVID has separated us, it's also brought us together on a global perspective. So God is still doing something in the midst of the chaos and the confusion. Also, even last week, uh, I, I don't know if you realize this, but again, because we had to quarantine some of our pastoral team members and some were not feeling well, it basically let it down to Emily, our new children's team leader, and, and Kelly, and then an awesome group of volunteers to lead out in Glomania. And that's that was an incredible event that they had, lots of fun. But the fun is one thing, but what happened in the fun is even better, is that God used that time, the gospel was presented, and listen to this, eight children prayed to receive Christ for the very first time. That's worth celebrating. Listen, our job is to throw parties in heaven, and they happen whenever one person repents. And so there's eight parties that happened this past week in heaven. So we rejoice over those. And so what is it that you're rejoicing over? I know we can talk about the chaos and get lost in the weeds of that, but would you share with us? Maybe on your connect card, if you got grabbed a worship guide on the way in, there's things that you can tear off and drop them in the offering boxes on the way out. But we, I challenge you right now in our gathering to be thinking of one thing that you want to praise God for in your life in the past seven to 14 days. All right. If you're watching online, text in GPC connect to nine, seven, triple zero and tell us what God has been doing in your life, even the small things, rejoice with them and let us rejoice together. I want to come back next week and have a stack of praises from our people that we can lift up to the Lord in praise to him. So let's pray him, praise to him, giving praise right now. Father God, we thank you. We worship you. We adore you. And Lord, we don't worship you because of the good things that you do for us. 
We worship you because you are a good, good God. You're a holy, righteous, perfect God. And even in our imperfections, in your holiness, you embrace us through your son, Jesus. And we come, Lord, because Jesus is our mediator. And we come and we worship you today. But, Lord, we want to pause and we want to praise you. And we want to thank you for how you've shown up in our church, both locally, globally, online, and in our own individual lives. And, Lord, may we not, in the midst of the chaos, lose sight of the beauty of your power and strength and the fact that you are God and we are not. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all can be seated. So as we get going, again, we are in 2020. It never seems to end. In fact, you even got an hour longer of 2020 given to you last night. I was wanting to spring the clock ahead just to get an hour further away from 2020. But here we are. 2020 has been nothing more than a, a, a textbook lesson of crisis management. Think about it. Crisis management is all we have done all year long. You start off the year with missiles bombing U.S. bases in January, and then you go into a presidential uh, hearings on the impeachment, and then you move into a global pandemic called COVID-19, and then you move into racial tension, and then you move into the injustice, and then you move into teachers being thrown to the, to the video screens to teach their children without a moment's notice. It has been crisis management mode all along. And let's cap it off this week with an election of a new president or of an existing president, whatever the case may be. That's going to be one of those things that we are looking at even as a nation. Are we going to manage? How are we going to get through this? The good thing is, is that Jesus gives us promises. And the promise that he gives us is that in this world, you will have troubles. That's the promise. Okay. So that's a promise that we can all check off the list. That one is true in my life. It's true in our world right now. In this world, you will have tribulations. He does not promise us a, a, a negative free life. In fact, negative realities are a part of our reality. What do you do with negative realities? How do you mitigate negative? How do you manage negative realities? And again, I'm making this as broad and as wide and as deep and as long as you want to go with it. You can talk about it personally, professionally. You can talk about it as a parent. You can talk about it politically. But here's one of the things about negative realities. Again, fill in the blank on what that is for you. That's the front of mind issue for you. But when you think about negative realities, the key on negative realities is to try to avoid them as much as, as, as possible. Don't let negative realities continue to repeat themselves. You've got to step in front of them and again, navigate them, but also move on beyond them and hopefully mitigate them into the future. Uh, Jack Welsh, the, the known as Neutron Jack, uh, turned GE Corporation around, basically had three words to describe what they did with negative realities. They fixed them, they closed them, or they sold them. You fix close or sell. Fix, close, or sell. That was basically what you do. Any negative reality in the corporation, you fix it, you close it, or you sell it. And that's what helped turn that company company around. How do you take a, a neutron jack mentality into life? You can't really, that's a business thing, okay? But there is some things that we can learn about negative realities from that, the, from that approach. Uh, what we do around here in ministry, what we do around here in our own uh, thoughts on initi- initiatives that we might do is we ask, does it need a facelift? 
Uh, does it need a remodel? Or, or does it need to have a funeral? So think about it like that. Are there, are there areas of your life that you need a facelift in, that you need a remodel? It's a little bit more invasive, a little bit more costly and painful, a little bit more involved. Or is it that you need a funeral? Now, I know we don't like to talk about funerals. We don't like to talk about putting things down or putting things out. But here's the reality. There are times that we've got to say goodbye to certain things. That's a part of the negative realities, that how we deal with them. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Again, part of the writings of, 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 of Solomon, who writes our book of Proverbs, who you can find Proverbs 1. We'll be there in just a moment. But here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2. It says, for everything has a season, a time for everything, a matter under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, and, and what has planted. I can't tell you the number of times that I've stood at the head of a casket at somebody's funeral and read that very passage of scripture. It's never fun to put your loved one's in that, 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 that grave and that funeral to walk through that experience. It's never fun, but we also know that it's a part of life. Part of life is also dying. So that's, again, how is it that we deal with the negative realities? And, and part of that is that our body is deteriorating. Well, it goes in the grave. Okay, now let's keep going with this metaphor though, because not only does Jesus use that metaphor when he's talking about pruning back plants, I know we, again, you have a beautiful plant, but how you make it more beautiful, sometimes you got to prune it. Sometimes you got to cut back at it. John chapter 15, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch, now you wouldn't have expected this next statement, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So even if you are a fruit-bearing branch, there comes a time where there's a facelift, where there's a remodel, where there is a funeral to a portion of who we are. That's Jesus' philosophy in raising up disciples. Mitigating and managing crisis is difficult. Again, what in our life needs a facelift, a remodel, or funerals? Now just hang on to that. Take your Bibles and look at Proverbs chapter 1, where we're going to be today. We're going to go back to the beginning where we started because... If you take a feather duster to a remodel, you're taking the wrong tool. If you take a hammer to a time that you just need a feather duster, you're taking the wrong tool. You've got to figure out, how do I deal with this negativity? And then how do I approach it and deal with that? Well, what the Bible talks about, he talks about behaviors, Proverbs talks half of the time, it's talking about how you relate to one another. There's oversimplification, but just for giggles, half of the Proverbs deal with how you relate to others. About another half of the Proverbs deal with how you deal with yourself. And so think about it like that. So when you're dealing with Proverbs, you're listening how I relate to others or how do I deal with myself? So it's highly applicable. If you've not been reading through Proverbs with us, please start now. Okay. We're going to be doing this for the month of November as well. So continue right on through uh, and read it again. If you haven't, if you already started, so, and and do it again and, and kind of make notes as you go. But whether you are dealing with this on a personal level, I need to have a remodel. I need to have a, I need to have a facelift. Or I need to put some things to death in my own life. Think about it like that. What about, again, parenting? 
You can't deal with all of your kids. Don't, keep, don't put your kids down, okay? Not, not killing kids here. But when you talk about behaviors in children, sometimes you got to help get those behaviors out. And if you haven't realized this, if you have, if you're parenting, you don't parent any child the same. Your rules may not change, and they should be consistent throughout the house. At the same time, you don't parent the children the same. You got to figure out what am I dealing with here? Professionally, you're on the job. You're overseeing people or people are overseeing you. How do you deal with people? Again, sometimes it becomes negative. How do you work through that politically? We're in this political tense society and world right now. How do you deal with it? Does it need a facelift? Does it need a remodel? Does it need a funeral? Well, when you look at that, there are three behaviors that are highlighted from the beginning of Proverbs to the end of Proverbs. And here's these behaviors. There's the wise behavior. We all want to be wise, right? Not everyone is wise that wants to be wise. Some, some people are, think they're wise and they're not wise. There's the foolish behavior. How do you deal with a fool? You deal with a fool different than the way you deal with a wise. And then the last one is the evil behavior. And you deal differently with an evil behavior than you deal with a foolish behavior. So we have to assess what's the negative situation that I'm in and what do I need to bring to that negative situation. A hammer? A jackhammer, a feather duster, or maybe a pine box. So think about it. What is the negative thing that you're dealing with in your own life? And again, different, different situations, different circumstances require a different response. Let's look at these quickly as we survey all of chapter one. Okay, we're going to hit all of chapter one virtually from the beginning to the end here today and lots of scripture. So if you do have your worship guides, there is a place in there for you to take notes. So jot these verses down and let's talk about these three categories of behavior. One category is the wise behavior. We all want to be wise. We all have been praying for wisdom. If you haven't been praying for wisdom, please start now praying for wisdom. Jesus tell, uh, James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5, to pray for wisdom. So it's a part of the process. You have to want wisdom to get wisdom, okay? If you don't want it, you won't have it. It doesn't come any other way. And there's so much more to it than that. But I read a book 10 years ago by Andy Stanley. It was called The Next Generation Leadership. I pulled a quote out of, out of that book that I have not used one time, but I think it is the most apropos quote to describe what we need in this day. It says this, chaos and uncertainty, you could put 2020 beside that, are, marked, are, are market opportunities for the wise. The wise people will know how to crisis manage the situation. The wise person will be able to navigate and mitigate issues. The wise person will look at chaos and will come up with solutions that will move us forward because the wise person is a continual learner. Look at James, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. It says, let the wise hear. Notice the attitude, the posture of a continual learner. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. Here is a life principle for you. Wise people seek wisdom. If it's not front of mind, front of lips, front of prayer, if you're not spending time in this 30 days of prayer and fasting and praying for wisdom, then you're missing an opportunity to be a person who is wise and only getting wiser. 
Okay? You never achieve wisdom at its penultimate. Because I believe wisdom is the mind of Christ, and you will never, in our finite minds, understand the infinite mind of God, but yet we're told to have the mind of Christ. So wisdom gives us that perspective, and it's exactly what Solomon does again and again to his son. He challenges him, he encourages him, he admonishes him. Notice what he's telling his son. Listen, lean in, look for, long for wisdom. He says it again and again and again. Here's a list of verses from chapter 1 to chapter 4, and I had to stop. Because there are so many of them. He tells his son to hear my son, your father's instruction. My son, do not forget the teachings. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. My son, do not lose sight. Notice what he's doing. He's constantly reiterating, you need wisdom. You've got to seek it. And keep sound wisdom. Wisdom leaks. If you're not careful, wisdom leaks. So you got to make sure you keep it. Hear my son and accept my words. My son, be attentive. And that's just through chapter 4. Of him constantly calling his son to be on the lookout, searching for, longing for, praying for wisdom. I read a, a, a book a number of years ago, Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. A great little, one chapter and there's worth a whole book. Where he breaks down the wise, the, the foolish, and the evil. And this is one of the statements that he says about the wise. When truth presents itself, the wise sees light. The wise person sees light and takes it in and makes adjustment. A wise person is humble enough to realize they haven't arrived. They don't know it all. They haven't fixed it all. They don't, they don't have all the answers. And so when truth reveals itself... They're quick to, what do they do? They're quick to see the light, they're quick to take it in, and they're quick to make adjustments. Whatever that means in their life, okay? We want to be wise. We want to long for that wisdom. Traits of the wise, jot them down quickly. They listen to feedback. They know they haven't arrived, so they listen to feedback. They say thank you a lot because they realize they didn't get where they are on their own. They say thank you. They own their own mistakes and successes humbly. Your relationship strengthens whenever you have instruction opportunities. They won't allow problems to persist, and their emotion is remorse. I did something wrong. I need to fix it. That's wisdom, okay? Wisdom owns where they're at. So how do you correct a wise person in a negative situation? How do you correct it? You talk to them about it. Again, because they become self-aware, because they can see it, because they're attentive to it, because they, they, they want to make changes, they see it, they listen, they, they, they take it in, and they, they process it, and they do it, okay? You want wisdom, okay? You want your children to be wise. You'll know you have children on the pathway to wisdom when they listen to wisdom. When they seek it out, listen to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31 and 32. It says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. And he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Notice, listen, wisdom. Listen, gains intelligence. There is a direct correlation between a person who is wise and their ability to hear truth. Even if it's truth they don't want to hear. Even if they don't like what they're hearing, they will listen. Proverbs 9, 6 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. The wise realize that they haven't arrived yet. They're still seeking more and more wisdom. Proverbs 2, chapter 4, verses 6. I mean, you need to become and I need to become wisdom seekers. 
Seeking out wisdom. If you seek for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, the Lord gives wisdom. A lot of times people don't seek after wisdom because they think they've got it figured out. It's the person who doesn't have it figured out who realizes they they need the help, they need the guidance, they need the counsel. They're the people that are going to achieve wisdom. Be wise. Seek wisdom. I thank God as a 19-year-old college student, when I hung out with a New Zealand professor week over week, multiple times a week, Dr. Holmes, and he taught me how to walk with God and to listen to God. I thank God for uh, as much as I could get, as close as I could get to Adrian Rogers, as, as, I, as I could learn and listen and lean in about what it meant to be a pastor and a person of a congregation. I thank God for Tim and Leslie Logan, who are part of our church, who whenever I was a kid growing up in a home, I wanted to have a good example of a home to look at and to model and to emulate. And it was Tim and Leslie Logan's that I was looking at. Because wise people, I was trying to be wise in this season. And you know what? At 52, I haven't stopped trying to be wise. I'm leaning in and listening and reading as much as I can from Eugene Peterson, from John Stott. I'm reading from people that are dead and gone. Dallas Willard, because I want wisdom and I need wisdom and I'm not there yet and I haven't arrived yet. And people like Tim Keller and Chuck Swindoll, I'm looking and listening constantly and leaning in. Who are you listening to? Who are the voices you're listening to or have you figured it all out? See, the wise will listen. The wise seek wisdom. Second behavior is the foolish behavior. The foolish behavior. See, wise people want more wisdom. The wise want more wisdom, but the fool wants more affirmation. Now hang on to that one. The wise want more wisdom. The fool wants more affirmation. The wise know they haven't figured it all out. The fool will spend all the time telling you that they figured it all out and you haven't figured it out. And so you got to make sure that I, because the, 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 the line between the two can be very thin at times and spill over, but a fool has all the answers and will not be a learner. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, but the wise listens to advice. That verse right there says it all. The fools has it all figured out in their own eyes. They're looking at the world. They've got the world figured out. They've got to, they have all the answers. They don't listen to advisors. They don't listen to counsel. They know it all. A fool is that person. The wise is the person who listens, leans in, and learns from those who have wisdom. They want wisdom. The fool wants affirmation. The fool will spend all of their energy, all their relational equity, all their emotional intelligence seeking to prove their rightness. They are right and you are wrong. While the wise will seek wisdom from you. The wise hears what they are doing wrong and they want to get it right. The fool hears what they're doing wrong and they want to tell you where you're wrong. Henry Cloud said it like this. He said, the fool tries to adjust the truth so he or she doesn't have to adjust to the truth. They change the narrative. They change the story. They change the truth 
to fit their life, their, th- their, their thoughts. Here are the traits of a fool. They're defensive. Remember, the wise listens. But a fool is defensive to feedback, shifts blame. They are the victims of the conflict instead of a part of the problem. Their excuses are rampant. Their emotion is rage. Remember the emotion of the wise? It was remorse. I did wrong. I need to get things right. I'm going to fix things. I'm going to do my best to give my best to be a part of the solution, but not the fool. The fool will rage because they are right and you are wrong. Proverbs chapter 1. We're still in chapter 1. Skip down to verse 22. It says this, how long, O simple one, simple one is another word for fool that Proverbs uses, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in the scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Fools don't want knowledge because they're going to have to adjust to the knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, this is what God said he will do. If you will turn at my reproof, what will I do? I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. But the problem with the fool is the problem the fool doesn't want to learn. The fool has all the answers. And so they can't learn. There's a major block between them and the ability to learn. That word simple is an interesting word. It's the Hebrew word patah. used 27 different times. And it literally means open, spacious. It's an airhead. Okay, that's literally how he describes it. He says, these airheaded people, these shallow-minded people, these low EQ people, these people who think that they're always right, these people who operate on their feelings and not their values. That's a fool. That's when he says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 5, he says, oh, simple ones, oh, shallow-minded ones, learn prudence. Remember from the very first message in this, in this series, prudence is another word for wisdom. And oh fools, learn sense. But the reality is, Proverbs chapter 15, 5, it tells us this, that a fool despises his father's instruction. There comes a time in life when you go, okay, I've talked about it long enough, enough. Now I've got to talk about why we have to keep talking about it. Remember when you're talking to a wise man, a wise man will say, okay, teach me more. I want to learn more. When you talk to a fool, you have to eventually say, why do we keep talking about the same thing? There's no change. So now you have have a conversation why you have to keep having the same conversation. Because they despise instruction. He who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 12, 1. Proverbs 22, verse 3 in the message says, the prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. The wise person sees it around the corner. I I see it's coming and I'm going to adjust to the circumstances, to the reality that's coming at me. Again, negative reality, maybe he's going to duck. What's the fool going to do? The simpleton going to do? He's going to walk blindly into it and be clobbered by it. I can remember growing up, there was a time in my life that I was clobbered by truth. 
Whenever I was in a relationship and my mother told me at one time sitting at the dining room table, I can still remember where I was sitting and she was sitting and I was in this relationship that I was headlong, head over heels into this relationship, giving everything to this relationship. And she says, Mike, you are thinking with your heart and not your head. And even in that moment, I knew what she said was absolutely the truth. I was letting emotions drive me. I was letting passion drive me. I was letting those things dominate me. And I was not listening to counsel in my life. And I, what did I do? I blew right past that observation and head right over the careen of the hill around the corner. When that relationship fell apart, and to this day, there are things that happened in that relationship that I regret. That one relationship that lasted six months that I careened off because I did not listen to wisdom. The wise responds to words. Fools respond to consequences. Hear that? You have to stop talking about why you keep talking about it with fools. And there has to be consequences. Why for the 16th time are we saying this over? Parents, if you go to the store and your little Throgmorton is misbehaving for the 15th time and you're counting to 10 for the 17th time, the problem is not with Throgmorton. The problem is with you. Thank you for some response there. The reality is that is true even as adults. We grow up and we become men who shave. That's it. Boys who shave. That's it. We're not even men. But we still act like fools when we don't listen to wisdom. The only way you can get through a fool is to give them hard truth consequences. Number three. The one I don't even want to talk about. Is the evil behavior. So if you think about the Wise will respond to words, okay? You give them wisdom, the wise will receive the wisdom. The fool responds to consequences. There has to be repercussions. What does the evil respond to? They respond to the door. There's the door. You can not let it hit you on the way out. There comes time in our life as... Jack Welch said, will you fix it or whatever, or you sell it. Uh, you sometimes can remodel, sometimes you can facelift, but there's sometimes you have to have a funeral. And you've got to separate. Sometimes this is in relationships. You can play it out in any number of ways, but what happens is how do you correct the evil? And it is through separation. And you've got to get the evil out because the evil will hold you down. Wisdom, it says in chapter 2, verse 10, wisdom will come into your heart. Verse 12 says, delivering you from the way of evil. I need to be delivered. You need to be delivered from the evil of our own hearts. But there are times and there are relationships and there are jobs and there are political figures and there are circumstances and there are relationships and there are any number of things that the only thing you can do is separate from evil. Be delivered from evil. The traits of the evil are 
feedback. <laughs> the, the, the wise listen to feedback. The, 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 the fool will defend himself against feedback, but the evil will conspire. Will literally turn to evil upon you and turn their wrath upon you. They have lost their moral and ethical moorings that rage and revenge is their emotion. And folks, you can see this in any corner crevice of your life. We're not talking about people on way over there and the evil's all way out there. Sometimes the evil's inside here and sometimes the evil's immediately around us and sometimes where we go to work is evil and there's evil there. And sometimes what do you do with evil? You have to separate from evil. You cannot stay with evil. You gotta run from evil. In, In the home, when there's an adulterous relationship, I have seen adulterous relationships turn to beautiful reconciliation. I've seen beautiful uh, redemption out of out of brokenness. I have seen I have done marriage uh, remarrying of couples who had literally gone through divorce and got back together. I love that. I've been able to be a part of vow renewals. My very first church in the very first leadership role that I had in the very it was dealing and managing through the crisis of an adulterous relationship of a leadership in the church. It's beautiful to be able to see and go through the renewing of the vows with that couple some six to nine months later. But it only happens when there is repentance involved in that. Jeremiah 23 verse 14 says, They commit adultery and they walk in lies and they strengthen the hands of the evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. Now notice the key word there is turning from evil. If you don't turn from the evil, there can be no reconciliation. In that marriage relationship when there's adultery, if there is repentance, there can be reconciliation. On the job sometimes, Jesus even told the parable of, uh, uh, in Luke 12 of the wise employer. And then he talked about an abusive employer who drank on the job and abused the employees. And he talks about how to walk through that in Luke chapter 12. In the church, I know the church never has problems, right? You're dealing with broken people, hurt people, hurt people. And we're all coming together and calling ourselves family. We have to be careful though, that we don't allow toxicity to manifest itself in an ongoing fashion. This is what Paul told young Titus when he said, as, as, as for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once, then twice. Now, wait, when I read that this past week, I thought, well, that sounds like a fool. Because a fool, you warn them and you warn them and you warn them thinking that they're wise and they're not wise, they're a fool. And then you have to have the conversation about why we have to have keep having these conversations. So what does he do? He turns right around and he says, this is what you do. You have nothing to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. The political world. We have to think this week before we go to the polls, if you haven't voted already, we have to think and honestly think, what is, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know what the answer is. I know I'm going a little too much to the political edge here, but I feel like, I've got dumb and dumber uh, that I get to choose from. And maybe there's some more out there uh, missing. But uh, th- I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm looking at it, and I'm sorry if I offended you with that. But the reality is that we have to think, as I go cast my vote, you cast your vote, that, that we got to think about it from a political point of view. And where is righteousness 
represented here. Because Proverbs chapter 16, verse 13 says, The righteous lips are the delight of a king. If your king doesn't like righteousness, note it. And he loves him who speaks what is right. Think about it. Look, listen, and live on righteousness. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to, say it with me, evil. You gotta stay away from them. That's the separation that's gotta take place. That's in chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. And the word evil there is the Hebrew word raha. It even sounds like a lion roaring. When you hear raha, when you hear evil, when you see evil, you need to go in the other direction. There needs to be a separation between you and evil. 21 of the 31 chapters of Proverbs does Proverbs deal with evil and talk about it and address it. One more passage and then I'm finished. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 24 to 28. If you've got your Bibles, look at there. He says, because he, he shows us the wise and how they don't respond. Then he goes to foolishness and they don't, still don't respond. So then he has to go to the evil response. You respond differently to the different circumstances. He says, because I have called you and you refuse to listen. The wise person would have listened. Not the evil, not the fool. I have stretched out my hand. When God stretches out his hand, it's a spanking you will not forget. Okay? There's consequences that came. And no one heeded the consequences. You see the trouble with this? Now he didn't listen to the wisdom. He didn't respond to the consequences. What's going to happen? He's going to repeat himself literally, almost verbatim, but he's doing it for emphasis because you have ignored my counsel. Again, that's what the wise would have done. Listen to the counsel, but you ignore my counsel and you have done, and, and would have not done uh, and, and would have none of my reproof. Basically, you would not listen to my spanking in the woodshed there. So here's what I'm going to do. Verse 26. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock, uh, when, when terror strikes you. And when terror strikes you like a storm, your calamity comes like a whirlwind. Now, I literally in my Bible wrote 2020. Because that's what I feel like when I think about what 2020 looks like. It's calamity that's come like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, how's God going to respond? Then they will call upon me. Say the next phrase with me. But I will not answer. They will seek me diligently. But what's the response from God? Will not find me. Man. Is God mean or something? Why would he leave us in our distress? Why would he leave us? Because he's been telling us. He's been correcting us. And we've been doing it our own way. I will not answer. They will seek me diligently and they will not find me. There is a spiritual separation that comes. Maybe the very first thing we need to do today is we need to pray in repentance. God, help us to not be a foolish nation. Help us not to be evil. Because 
they hated the knowledge. Verse 29, he gives us the reason. Because they hated the knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They wouldn't listen. They despised my reproof. Even the consequences didn't change them. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way. God sometimes turns us over to our circumstances. I've seen families have to do this with their teenage children because they got into drugs, because they got into things that were not right and good, and they did everything from talking to them and consequences, and finally they had to show them the door and say, no longer in this house. I've seen married couples have to do that. Churches have to do that with people. It's hard and it's heartbreaking. It is horrible. But we cannot have the evil in the house. We cannot have the evil in this house. We cannot have the evil in our country. We have got to pray for our nation and start with ourselves. And it starts with fearing God. I want us to pray right now. And then Andrew's going to come back and lead us in a prayer time. But I want us, first of all, to bow our heads. And before we go outside of ourselves, before we start looking at anybody else, I want us to ask ourselves the question, God, am I wise? Am I a fool? Or am I evil? None of us want to call ourselves a fool, and nobody wants to call themselves evil. But when we don't listen to the wisdom of God and the reproof of God, then we deal with the consequences and we deal with the repercussions of that. And if we would fear the Lord, it will be the pathway back to wisdom. If you will re-enter into that relationship with the Lord and renew that relationship with him, then let that be the first step today. Father God, in this space, in this time, would you bring healing to all of us. Healing to our homes and to our jobs and to our minds. Healing to our nation. Would you bring healing where we are broken? But Father, I also pray that you bring healing to our land. And Father, if we need to start with repentance, then let us start with repentance that we would listen to your voice.